All right, well, hey, we continue uh, our series this morning, Time, Talent, Treasure, and we're actually closing things out this week. And so uh, we're going to go over to 1 Peter chapter 4, if you got your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to get there in just a minute. Well, this week was the start of public school in Washington, D.C. Come on, somebody give God some praise today, yes. We are going to miss our kids, aren't we? Oh, it's going to be so hard to send them out, but, but it's, it's a good... So this is actually, uh, here's what's going on in our house. This is the first time that we are sending our five-year-old Ella to full-time school. So this is like a major, major, major deal uh, or major thing for moms and, uh, and kind of a... Just a, a thing for dads, you know? And so, but, you know, I'll admit, I, I was a little nervous going in uh, to this week because it's new school, new teachers, new parents, new kids. You know, it's a, kind of a temporary facility that we're sending Ella to SWS school within a school over here by Ebenezer's. And, and I mean, even just, it's DCPS, so that alone should send chills down your spine, right? Um, and so we're going for it, though. And so anyway, uh, last Saturday, we found out it was a beautification day at the school. So Nina and I said, man, we, you know, we really just want to get out and, and use this opportunity to serve in community. So we went over and, and I was running the big uh, tiller machine that, you know, you get a good forearm workout. And then I was, I had the pickaxe going, picking out stones from the garden. I was hauling dirt. I mean, is there like a label sucker that just like, you know, is that how I look that, you know, I'm like doing the hardest jobs. But I just jumped in with both feet and decided to serve. And here's what happened that day. I got to meet some other parents at the school. I felt a level of, a new level of stewardship or ownership over the, the school property. And I got a vision for community being there. All in one day of service. Service does something. To, service changes you, doesn't it? Service changes the people around you. Here's what we're going to talk about this morning. And service changes the equation of how God will use you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Peter is casting a vision here for what community should look like. And it's not built around fun activities, it's not built around long walks and nice talks. No, it's built around this idea. Of serving one another. Now, the, Peter's words are even more potent because of the way he starts this scripture out in verse 7. He says, The end of all things is near. He has this sense of urgency, this understanding that, that he is going to distill all his vice and his, his words of wisdom into just a few statements. And the statements are this You have been given a gift, and that gift has a purpose, and it's to serve. 
The word serve here in the Greek is the word diakoneo. And it comes from the, the noun diakonos, which means a person that serves. Now we see this or a variation of it all over scriptures. It is plastered throughout scripture everywhere you go. You see, even the Apostle Paul, uh, he, uses, he uses this, this uh, noun to describe him in every different situation you can think. He's a, he's a servant of the gospel. He's a servant of Christ. He's described as a servant of God. He's described as a, a servant of the new covenant, a servant of the church. I mean, every example, he has so many, his business card is like this big. I mean, it has so many different titles uh, with this idea of service. So, so what are we saying right here? Here's what we're trying to say. That service is not a singular action. Service is a calling. Service is a way of being. Service should, should enter every conversation and relationship that you have. Service is a way of life. I think most of us would agree with Peter's sentiment here. That's good advice. Thank you. I agree with that. But is our creed the same as our deed? Is our statement of beliefs, is that congruent with our resume of service? Or do we take this part and say, yes, I agree with that. Anyway, I'm challenged by Dietrich Bonhoeffer's words when he talks about this subject. Here's what he says. He said, Nobody is too good for the lowest service. Those who worry about the loss of time entailed by such small external acts of helpfulness are usually taking their own work too seriously. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God who will thwart our plans and frustrate our ways time and again. Somebody say amen right there. Even daily by sending people across our path with their demands and request. Do we allow God to interrupt us? Or are we so focused, so determined, so pinpointed on our plans and our purposes that we don't hear the voice of God when he's speaking to us? Are we willing to allow God to interrupt our plans? Every single person here today, every single one of us, has a divine appointment this week. Do you know that? Every one of you has a divine appointment set up already for this week. The question is this, are you going to show up? Let me put it this way, that what God sees as a divine appointment, we so often categorize as a human interruption, don't we? But God has placed those things. He has worked on those things in advance for us to step into. Here's what the scriptures say. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 10, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Come on right there. And let me just pause in the middle of the scripture for a second to say, I believe what the scripture says, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved. But the scriptures also say that we are called according to his purposes, that we are called and, and we are called to go and bear fruit, John 15 says. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And here's what the scriptures say. To do good works that were prepared for us in advance for us to walk into. 
It was prepared for us by God in advance for us to walk into. So let me tell you something. This, this week, when you're walking to your work, when you're walking home, when you're walking to that meeting, walk with a little more purpose, huh? Get a little John Travolta on right there. Walk with purpose because why? You know that God has prepared those appointments in advance. He is in the details. So when you walk into one of those situations, you are walking in knowing that God is in it, that he has prepared it, that he has a word for it, that he is with you, and that he has purpose in what we call the human interruptions, what he calls the divine appointments. God wants to work in us and he wants to work through us. Are we willing to put ourselves out there in a place of service? Here's what the great missionary Hudson Taylor wrote. He said, God said to me, I'm going to evangelize China. If you want to walk with me, I'll do it through you. There's a few attenders uh, here at Barracks Row who walk past the, the Marine Barracks every single week. And, and so on their way to church, they just... They decided, okay, we want to serve these guys a little bit. And so um, they decided to make brownies and go over and get to know them a little bit. And so uh, Courtney Brody and, and Josie and, and uh, Rachel Sprinkle and a few others made some brownies. And they went over and uh, they just got to know them. It was just a simple form of intentional service. And so anyway, I'm walking uh, one night by the barracks, and one of the guys yells out, hey, Pastor Joel, what's going on? And so I see him, and it's a guy who's uh, on duty over the barracks, and he comes sometimes, a really good guy, and so I go over and talk to him. And, and you know, it's always two guys at that corner post, right? And there's always two guys together, and so we're talking, and the other guy's there, but he's kind of disinterested. I don't know if it's me or the conversation of the church or whatever, but he's kind of, you know, cold a little bit towards the conversation, and, and we're talking, and the brownies come up. And all of a sudden, this guy is into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, those brownies were great. Yeah, I had some of those. Like, yeah, keep, you know, tell him to keep uh, doing that <laughs> thing. And, uh, and it was funny because the tone of the conversation totally changed. Service changes the tone of life, doesn't it? In your marriage, if you serve your spouse, it will change the tone of your marriage. Service changes the tone of your friendship, of your relationship. It changes the tone of those you work for or those that work for you. It changes the tone of you serve the person sitting next to you in, in church. It changes the tone of that interaction. It changes the tone of people who don't believe the way that you believe. Jesus was the master at this idea. He was the master question asker, wasn't he? He always had that that question that would stump or challenge or invoke a thought that was very unique. Now, what was the question that Jesus asked most out of any other question? Four times, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he asked this question. What can I do for you? So, so his disposition is led by this thought. How can I help you? What can I do for you? What do you want from me. This is how Jesus... Now, so that's our picture of Jesus, right? Now let's, let's talk about the canvas of Washington, D.C. 35,000 registered lobbyists in our city. People come to D.C. to build their resume, right? They come, it's another rung in the ladder towards success or towards achieving something specific. I mean, our city is, is a very different canvas. If anything, 
It's the question towards other people. Okay, how can you help me accomplish where I need to go? What can you do for me? So you've got Jesus, this one picture, and you've got DC, our canvas. When you put them together, a little bit of contrast there in that picture, isn't there? Listen, what if we as a church were known for asking this question? What can we do for you? You know, September 22nd, we got the Barracks Row Festival out here. We're doing a, an outreach, um, and we're just reaching out to folks. And listen, we, we actually, it, was, it did not work out well. You know, it'll be hard to get people into our Saturday night services. We'll lose parking. Like, it's going to be kind of a big pain. But you know what we did? We asked the question, hey, what can we do? So they had us go out and get signatures from neighbors. A lot of fun right there, you know. <laughs> like, we're doing good kingdom work. Signatures, and then they asked us to sponsor booths. We sponsored a booth. We have two Convoy of Hope events, like our biggest outreaches of the year are that day. We don't need another outreach. But listen, we asked the question, what can we do? They told us the answer. So, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to ask the same question that Jesus asked. Listen, what if your small group was known for asking this question? What if the disposition of you and your roommates was led with this idea of asking this question? When you ask this question, two things happen. Number one, it forces you to a place of readiness to serve those around you. I did this, uh, well, I still try to, but I did a specific experiment where I was trying every single conversation and, and interaction, I would try to ask this question. Let me tell you something. It changes the way that I thought about relationship. It changes the way that I went into conversation because I was forced to actually be ready to do what I was asking. <laughs> it's tough. It changes you. The, the second thing that happens, it changes the person that you're interacting with. When you know that someone has your best interest in mind, doesn't it change the way that you view that person? Defenses fall down. The walls fall down. They're open in a, in a different way to that relationship, to what God might do in that. Let me just, can I just dig a little deeper on this one? When's the last time you asked your spouse, what can I do for you? I'm preaching to myself right here, okay? Let's just be honest. I don't want to ask that question because I already know what she'll tell me, and I don't want to do it. So I don't want to ask the question. When's the last time you asked God, what can I do for you, God? You woke up in the morning and God on your knees, you said, God, this is your day. You have divine appointments for this day. What can I do? How can I walk with you, God? Where can I follow you? First Peter 4.10 leads us to a place of service. But we let the what-ifs of life stop us from getting to a place of service. What if I fail? What if I don't like it? What if I'm not good at it? What if I don't have time to do it? If you have ability, but you don't have any availability, you will not see God's displayed ability. You know, if you show up to the picnic with all kind of goodies, but you don't share it, then you're no good at the picnic, are you? <laughs> if you have ability, giftings, but you don't have any availability, you will not see God's displayed ability. Sometimes I have no time. Sometimes I have very little ability to ask this question 
in a situation. But you know what? I'll just decide. I'm just going to ask it. You know, this is God's appointment anyway. It's God's question, too. So if it's God's appointment and it's his question, you know, maybe God will show up with an answer that I don't see available at this time, right? You can't let the, the what-ifs of life paralyze you from seeing the God does in life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got nothing here to give. I can't ask that question. No, it's God's question. It's his appointment. Let him give the answer. Sometimes we have to take a step out in faith and put ourselves in a situation and to serve and see God show up and help us figure out how he wants us to serve. Maybe, let me just suggest, maybe we're asking the wrong what-if questions. What if God wants to change this person's life through a simple act of service? What if destiny is on the other side of a simple action of service on my part? What if the friends that I know I need are, are, uh, are coming when I decide to be the person that God has called me to be in service? I was talking to uh, Eliza Lee, who's down here a couple of rows in. Uh, tens barracks row and we were talking about this idea of um, of what ifs in life and it was really interesting he shared kind of a divine progression that happens uh, through a, a series of circumstances and so uh, Eliza came for a number of years and he, he really didn't plug in in the first couple of years that he came and so and then we had a conversation one day and he comes up and he asked a dangerous question what can I do Ah, my favorite question to hear. <laughs> now, you know, we've been saving a spot for you, my friend, on our production team. And uh, so I said, you know, we need some help on our production team. I think you've got a little experience there. Would love to see you. So he didn't think about it. He just jumped in and joined the production team. And here's what followed, this series of this kind of divine progression, which is really cool. So try to keep up with me here. So he joined the production team, right? On the production team, he got to know some folks on the worship team, started inter interacting with them. They invited him to go on a mission trip. So he went on a mission trip. On the mission trip, he started developing more friendships, more community. God challenged him in faith. On that mission trip, he, started, he decided to get involved in small groups. He started getting to know more and more people. On that same mission trip, he heard about the need that we have for media at the church. So he said, you know what? I've always been interested in photography. I'm going to pursue that gifting. He started learning photography. He got better better and better to the point where he started getting jobs. Then he started a small group at NCC to teach other people photography. Through that, he was invited to our Bolivia fundraiser where he met his girlfriend. <laughs> I'll back up for a second. Through all these different interactions, he decided he got involved and in, in, we had a group that was going out and playing ball. Bill uh, used to get his, his uh, school opened up for us and we'd go play ball. So we're at playing ball and we start talking about Man, what if we started a group playing ball over at the Youth Services Center? These young guys who are going into correctional facility, could we minister to those guys through ball? And so, so he said, man, I, I heard that. I want to be involved. I said, great. Why don't you lead it? He started leading it. He lead, for the last three years, he's led our group to the Youth Services Center, reaching out and ministering to guys who are about to be incarcerated, young guys in their teenage years. Through that, a guy named Daniel Gonzalez started coming and playing ball. They started interacting. Daniel needed a roommate. Eliza needed a place to stay. He ended up with them. He started to meet other guys at the church. He started to engage in relationships that were sharpening, that brought accountability to his life. He found himself in a place of community that he had never had before. God doing things that he had not done before. Why? Maybe 
We ask the what-if questions on the wrong side of obedience. We ask it on the near side. Well, what if this happens? You know what that takes? That takes us to a point of fear. If we ask the what-if questions on the far side of obedience, we are challenged with gratitude. Thank you, God, for what you have done. What if I hadn't joined the production team? What if I hadn't given time when I had no time to give? What if I had decided not to step out in service? I would have missed out on the divine appointments, the divine progression, on the community, on the relationships that God had prepared in advance for me to step into. What if? We are willing to ask a hard question, what can I do for you? What if we are willing to say, I don't got much. I don't have much time. I don't got much back here. I'm going to give it though. I'm going to step out in faith. What could happen if we decide to take God's word seriously? 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 1 Peter 4.14, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Some of you know your gift and you use it. Others know your gift and you sit on it. Others, you don't know what a gift is. No idea. I don't know what gift I have. So let me, real quickly, I, I think this scripture challenges us to pursue, like what is the giftings that God has put within me? So how can we pursue those things? How can we uh, search those things out in our life? Let me just give a couple uh, points of advice here. Number one, ask yourself. Take some time to look inwardly. Take some time to evaluate. Take some time to reflect on what God has put in you, how he has made you. Let me just ask a few kind of probing questions maybe to get your thoughts going here today. First, what is there about my particular situation that can be turned to good advantage in the church, in the community, in my family? Second, what do I possess that can be used in the work of the body? Time, money, skill, a car, a hobby, an education? Three, what things do I get special satisfaction or fulfillment from doing? Four, what things just come naturally for me? Five, if I had the opportunity to learn, what would I like to learn? Ask yourself. These Take some time to evaluate. Number two, ask others. Ask those who are close to you to speak into your life. They know, they see those blind spots in your life that you don't see, and they see, they can encourage you in a way that you might not be able to do for yourself. Ask God. Maybe you need to spend some time in prayer just seeking the Lord. There's three scriptures that you can go to to dig a little deeper. Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Dig into God's word and seek him in these spiritual gifts. Buy a book called Strengths Finder. <laughs> it's a great book. It'll be worth it. You'll learn more about yourself. But check it out. We have a small group coming up called Portfolio. This semester, I saw Temi's here this morning. She's leading that group. But this group is totally designed around the idea of discovering who God has made you to be, about discovering the giftings that he has put within you, and the ability to put those into action to use those. So ask Yourself, ask others. And then third, simple, step out and try. Put yourself out there. I think of Colin Murphy, who's leading one of our missions trips this year, and he goes to Barracks Row here. And I think of him years ago, we went on a Thailand trip together, 12 of us, and he was engaged. And, and 
he came away from that trip, we had a conversation, just, man, God's really doing something in me. Pastor Joel, I, you know, I'm not sure what it is or where he wants me to go, or, but God's kind of stirring up the pot a little bit. And, and, and so he just, he didn't know what to do with that, so he just kept getting engaged in mission. He kept going on mission. He became a missions trip junkie. I mean, this guy goes on so many missions trips, he had to start selling drugs to support his mission trip habit. I mean, it is not really. I'm sorry. I'm getting carried away. He loves missions trip. And he just said, I'm going to keep serving until God keeps revealing himself and making himself known to me. And over time, he started seeing this, this spiritual gift of encouragement. And now he's leading a trip. And, and I love it because he gets fired up about calling things out in other people about just being an encourager to others. How? Because he got out there, he tried it, he experimented. He didn't find it right away, but over time, over consistency, over a time of faithfulness, God will reveal those things. You don't need to serve perfectly. You just need to serve willingly and give God what you have in your hands. Energy questions have been renewed in this election cycle because of a, a new drilling method. And the new drilling method is, is you know, it used to just go straight down. You would drill for oil, but now it's this new method as it goes down and then it spreads out horizontally and they use water and they chip rock and this whole thing. And so what has come from this, this new drilling method, is there's, um, there's oil that's been discovered all over the U.S. Now, if I could take the, the politics of this discussion and just put them aside for a minute and make a separate observation about, about the situation. And, and let me make this observation that it's fascinating to me that, that land that was deemed worthless, and I'm talking financially or monetarily speaking, uh, land that was deemed worthless, and you could buy it for dollars. It's North Dakota and these different places. Now it's being, it's being bought up for millions of dollars by these different corporations. And it's just fascinating because, because, like, is the land any different? Did the land change? No, it's the same land, right? So what's changed? The only thing that has changed is the discovery of what is underneath the surface of that land. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't have that much to offer. I don't know what my gifts are, I, you know. I, I feel kind of worthless. Number one, that's not scriptural. Scriptures say that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are made in the image of God, that you are unique in the sight of Christ. But number two, listen, it just takes some discovery to go from worthless to priceless. The land didn't change. Listen, you won't change, but you can discover what God has placed underneath the surface of your life. It takes some time to experiment, though. You've got to step out and begin to try things and, and just put yourself in a place of faith. Shana and Michael Glenzer are, uh, are volunteers here at uh, Barracks Row and have been here for years. They are such incredible examples of faithfulness. They have invested in our kids and our families over so many years and just bless so many of us. And I don't know that they sensed a calling or a gifting in their life towards kids ministry. But you know what? It was a need that was there. They liked kids. And so they jumped into that need. And God's began to use them and anoint them over a couple of years. So instead of me telling you a story, just uh, take a sneak peek via video. Check this video out. 
I'm Shane McGunzer and I've been doing Crosswalk Kids or Kids Quest for the past 10 years, uh, since about August of 2002 when I moved to DC. And I'm her husband, Michael. Uh, I've been doing this for eight years now. I think eight years is right. I started, frankly, because she wrote me into it, but... Um... <laughs> One of the downsides of dating a Kids Quest coordinator is that uh, you have to teach. So the reason I, I love serving in general, and I, again, I just think it's something that we were called to do, number one, and it's just a great way of staying connected to the church. Even if I'm in a really grumpy mood when I come here, it's really hard to stay grumpy around kids, even if they're driving you crazy, like, they're, they're cute doing so. It's how I pray. It's how I um, exercise my faith. It's kind of, it's not really an option. It's more just sort of how you do it that makes the most sense. I mean, I get a lot out of it. It does a lot for who I am and the kind of person I want to be, but um, to me, it's just sort of, of course I serve. There's, there's not, it's just how things are supposed to be. So I love getting them excited to come back to church. Like, it's so cool for me to hear a family that says, you know, Caleb can't wait to come to church, you know? That is super cool. I didn't grow up in the church, and so I probably know the Bible stories a lot better than I would have otherwise, because I've now told them about a thousand times. So, um, but outside of that, um, I think it's really it's the patience and love that you have to exercise on a regular basis. And it's easy to do it with kids, um, but when you do it over and over again, you realize that you know, um, with other people, you can treat them the same way. And kids are a good a good group to learn on because it's hard not to love them. It's hard not to be patient with them. But um, that's the way that. Over time, you, know, you learn to treat everyone. So don't don't overthink it. it. It's this is really simple. God called you to serve, and NCC is a fantastic church, and that it lets you do it. I think um, I was always sort of amazed when I started NCC that people asked me to do stuff, and I it was my first church, and I was like, "What well, am I allowed to do that? Is that okay?" Um, NCC, well, there's a plenty of room to serve, and there's plenty of need. I think for those who are serving, it's not about you. Every, you know, the weeks that you're tired, I don't want to be here. I mean, it's. It's about, well, for us, it's about the kids, for production, for, you know, hospitality, it's about the people that come. It makes you feel more like a whole person when you have this component in your life when you're serving. It's kind of hard to quit. Um, every time I think about it, every time I'm, you know, in bed on a Sunday morning, I'm like, I'd really like to sleep in. Um, I just start thinking about the kids, and I, just, I can't help but want to get out of bed. Ten years. Can you believe that? Shane has been serving 10 years, and man, you know, of course they're next door right now serving, so we can't uh, honor them in front of their faces. But if you see Michael and Shana today, just give them a big hug. Like anyone being with our kids for that long, you know, needs some kind of love and respect. And so give them a big hug. And just, I, I just think we need to, to give honor where honor is due. And uh, man, they have just given so many years to serving our children at NCC. And I love what Michael said. Just forget what I said and listen to what he said. He said, don't think about it. God calls us to do it, so just serve. And, it, you know, it's God's mandate. It's our duty. It's as simple as that. God calls us to serve. So why don't we just step out and step into the jet stream of where God is moving? Scriptures say that, that no servant is better than his master. What's that mean? Well, for us, it means that Jesus came to this earth, and it says that the scriptures say that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So our calling, it, he is our master. We call him our Lord. We call him our Savior. So we are no better than he is. We have the same calling to serve 
that he had and that he lived out in front of us. Here's what 1 Peter 4 says. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised. Most of us want to serve God, but we want to do it in an advisory capacity, don't we? Oh, yeah, you know that. Okay, God, God, you know, over here, you missed one, you know. But no, God says, listen, we are on commission together. He gives us the great commission, commission with God. He says, you know what, I'll set, set up the appointment, but you're going to go to the appointment. I'm going to go with you, and we're going to accomplish this thing together. He calls us out to serve. He gives us opportunity to put him first. The point is this, that whatever God has entrusted to you, do it with everything you got. Do it with all you have. Do it with the right attitude and do it for the right person. Are you with me today? All of us have been given an amazing opportunity. Every single day, we have 86,400 seconds given to us. So we can get up in the morning and say, okay, what do I want to do today? Maybe I'll do this or this. No, don't get up and sit back and say that. Get up and say, I have 86,400 opportunities to give glory to Almighty God. So I'm not going to waste a single second, but I'm going to step out into service because service is a calling. The voice of God, the same voice of God that called salvation into our lives is the same voice of God that called forgiveness into us. It's the same voice of God that called restoration and redemption and called us out and made us new. And he he called transformation into our lives. That same voice of God comes along and says, now listen, what I have given you, you are called to give to others. You are called to serve. All of us have the incredible opportunity to tell the greatest story ever told of redemption, of God giving so much of serving so much and sending his son to this world, to this earth, to be sacrificed for our lives that we might find redemption, forgiveness, and salvation and sanctification in him. We are part of telling the greatest story ever told. What an incredible opportunity. All of us have a part to play in it. We all work together to tell different parts of the story with our lives and with our service. Here's what Eugene Peterson says. He says, I believe each of us are a part of God's production, and we have an important role to play. We hold our own copy of the script, God's word. When we step into God's story and begin to be people of action, his story becomes more than static history. It moves from being white noise to a living history. God's story becomes our story, not through unengaged recollecting, but by diving in, getting plugged in, getting involved in pursuing God through acts of divine service. We have this incredible opportunity to tell the greatest story ever told. And every single one of us is invaluable and irreplaceable in the telling of this story. Now the question is this, are we willing to put ourselves out there? Are we willing to take a step of faith? Are we willing to say, God, you can use me? Are we willing to serve those around us? Are we willing to ask a hard question? What can I do for you, God? What can I do for you, Wife or husband, what can I do for you today in this meeting? Are we willing to take the step of faith and move from not just knowing God, but serving with him?
Can we pray together? Lord, we thank you for a pointed and a simple challenge this morning. We pray, God, that that this message would not be just informational, but that it would be formational in our lives. And I just pray today, Jesus, that, that you would make us a church that serves, that you would help us to be known for, for the questions that we ask that are similar to what you ask. Lord, how can we serve the kingdom of God in our city? How can we serve our families and our spouses and our children? Lord, help us to model this to, to those around us, Jesus. One of the greatest fears that I have is that we would just be a gathering of people at this church. But Father, I know that that's not your calling. Your calling is that we would be disciples of Christ. And to be a disciple, you did not allow the disciples just to follow you, but you sent them out. You sent them out two by two. You allowed them to do ministry. You enacted the spiritual giftings within them, and you used those for your purposes. So, Lord, I pray today that no gift would go uncovered among us. Lord, that that no gift would be refrained from being used because of our what-ifs. What if I don't have time? What if I don't What if I fail? What if I don't succeed? Lord, help us to put those what-ifs aside and begin to understand that you have incredible purposes for us, that you have divine appointments for us. If we're just willing to step out in faith, that's what this is all about. Just like it takes faith and trust to step into salvation, it takes faith and trust to step into the kingdom work of God. So we pray today that you would challenge us and help us to put this message into action today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I pray you're